Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so Matt, I got to tell you about a dream I had last night. I had this dream that I was running behind this truck that was going through the forest. And like, I don't know why, but it was driving through the forest and I'm running right behind it the, the whole night. I woke up exhausted. <laughs> I should have seen that one coming. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is graveyard tales <laughs> all right everybody here we are again matt how you doing tonight brother man i'm doing all right excellent excellent so before we get into it i'll just say i i apologize i will cut it out if i burp but i just had <laughs> pork chops and everything. i shoved it down before we started recording so I may be a, a smidge gassy, but I'll try to cut it out. Maybe I'll leave it in for the patrons. I don't know. Um, but we want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find a list of shows that we're associated with, and we're proud to be members of the Podbelly Network. And they also have some tips and tricks and stuff on podcasting if you're interested. So podbelly.com. We also want to thank tonight's sponsor, HelloFresh. Y'all know we love HelloFresh, and we'll talk more mm-hmm. about them coming up. Uh, while you're online searching for gifts that you're going to send Matt just for no reason, um, right. <laughs> go over to patreon.com slash graveyard tales and sign up to become a patron. We've got three different levels of patronage and our $10 a month patrons. They get the video version of us recording the episode with some outtakes still in there. We leave, we don't edit out the mess ups and stuff as much as we do in the main episode. Um, they all the ten dollar a month also gets ad free uh, versions mm-hmm. of the episode. So if you're interested in an ad free version, become a ten dollar patron. Plus, they get audio and video versions of the bonus episodes that we put out weekly, and all levels get the bonus episodes that we put out weekly. So, yep, whatever you're comfortable with signing up for, go over there and sign up, become a patron, and get some bonus stuff. We're going to be recording some cool bonus episodes tonight in fact once we get done with the main episode here yeah some we got a couple of really cool ones too yep and we've done i mean it, it runs the the gamut of stuff we talk about everything some show related stuff some non-show related stuff some humorous stuff one of my favorite ones recently was the news of the weird oh yeah uh, matt read some uh headlines from news of the weird and we talked about them and we will be doing those again too because they were so much fun. But go over there and check it out. Patreon.com slash Graveyard Tales. You know, Adam, one of the things that I absolutely cannot stand 
is having to go to the grocery store so many times a week just to pick up stuff for supper. Mm-hmm. Okay? It happens every week. You know, we, we've been to the grocery store. We bought everything we thought we needed. And inevitably, we're going back. Right. But there are times when I know 100% that that's going to happen, and it's when the HelloFresh box shows up on our front porch. Right. I mean, we know not not only do we not have to go to the grocery store, we don't have to decide what's for dinner because whatever we make is going to be delicious. Absolutely. Amanda and I are probably not going to have to cook it because <laughs> our kids love cooking with HelloFresh. That's great. And we're going to have exactly what we need. We're going to have the pre-measured ingredients. They're going to be fresh. And whatever we make, is gonna be fantastic, and you know my my kids absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do. I mean, they get so excited, and you know my kids don't get excited about a home cooked meal. You know, mm-hmm. we are we are chicken nuggets and pizza. You know, and until they, you know, but it doesn't matter what we make with HelloFresh. They love it, like um, like the bratwurst bar with caramelized onions. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. I love Broadway. Dijonet slaw and pineapple relish. Ah, it's out of this world. And, you know, everybody in the house just, they can't get enough. That's right. This summer, HelloFresh is here to take the work out of eating well. You can reach your goals with delicious, calorie-smart, and protein-smart lunch and dinner options, plus new vegan recipes, too. And... If you're stuck in a recipe recipe rut, that's actually hard for me to say for some reason. If you're stuck in a recipe rut, take a bite out of something new with 40 recipes to choose from weekly with options to please even the pickiest eaters. You'll always find meals everyone at the table will enjoy. And no matter your lifestyle, you'll always find delicious recipes on HelloFresh like the pescatarian and veggie meals. You can even swap proteins and sides to make a recipe just how you like it. And we've done that, Matt. We like the little taquito things that they, I don't know if oh, they're, yeah. you know, they're like a taquito, but normally I think they come with pork. Well, we swapped it out for beef and I mean, that fits our palate better. And since they let you do it, we took advantage of it. Yeah. So if you want to be like Matt and I and our families and start looking forward to making dinner, then all you've got to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard16 and use our code Graveyard16. That's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-1-6. And you'll get 16 free meals plus free shipping. Yeah, I, just go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard16 and use our promo code Graveyard16, G-R-A-V-E, Y-A-R-D-1-6, and you get 16 free meals plus free shipping, and you'll find out why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. All right, Matt, so that's all the housekeeping I've got. Why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother? Okay, so if I told you that there was a, a potential UFO sighting uh, where an estimated 
300 some odd people witnessed it. You're a liar. But the media (laughs) never really covered it. All the people were instructed to not discuss it. And it was pretty much just erased from, you know, recent history. Mm -hmm. What, what would you say? Would you believe that? I, you know, I think, most of our listeners probably would because we've talked about the government cover up so much. Yeah. But it it's so hard to believe though. But if I said, where do you think that occurred? What would you say? Not where this occurred. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Westall school UFO incident in Australia, yep. and it's it's right outside of Melbourne, uh, in a little town called Clayton South, and this occurred back in the '60s, and pretty much it just kind of was like it never happened. Yeah, but yet, even in the last few years, some of the witnesses have come forward and said, "Hey." This really did happen, and we were instructed not to talk about it. Right. All right. So we're going to get into this, um, and and I'm telling you, it, it's it's legit here because y- normally if Adam and I go into researching a UFO incident, it's just pages and pages and articles one after the other. It's just not there. Yeah. It yep. is just not there. I mean, everything you find is within the last few years where these people have started coming forward and saying, I, I need to tell this story. Mm-hmm. It, so, it's amazing how how good governments can be at scrubbing information. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 just it's incredible when we get into what these people saw. Um I think I think if if you've never heard of this before, you're going to be shocked. Yeah. Now, granted, you know this this happened prior to the internet, mm-hmm. which I know for some of our listeners, our younger listeners, there's like they're like there was a pre-internet days. You mean there hadn't always been an internet? <laughs> but right. Yeah. yeah they, <laughs> I mean, the internet came around in my lifetime, so mm-hmm. I, I remember a pre-internet and a post-internet. So yes. This was pre-internet days, so that's probably why it was easier for them to scrub some information. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, yeah. But still, I mean, it's they had to do some work for the amount of witnesses to keep their mouth shut. That's that's it. It's the that that number of people that were present um, to try to get that many people to zip it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty tough. Yep. So, as we always say, go check our sources. They're down in the bottom of the show notes. You can find where we found the information. You can keep going. Um, you you know, do a deeper dive in the rabbit hole than we're going to do if you would like. And you can found you can found. Yeah. If yeah, yeah, hmm, hmm. I can found a lot of things. Oh, man, it's going to be a great <laughs> night for pronouncing stuff. You can, oh, and yeah, because it's a lot of Australian stuff, and we're wonderful at that. Oh, yeah, you know how good we are at that. <laughs> but uh, you can find the original information uh, where we got it. 
So now the Westall High School, which is what it was called at the time of the incident, um, it's now called Westall Secondary College, was the site of a mass UFO sighting, like Matt said. And these always fascinate me due to how many people are there to corroborate the encounter. Mm -hmm. So when Matt gets into it, I'm I'm going to be glued to the edge of my seat because I, I love <laughs> these mass sightings like this. But it's located at 88 Rosebank Avenue in Clayton, South Victoria, Australia. And Westall is a suburb located in the southeastern part of Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. So let's look at a little history. Now, William Westall, he was uh, born in... Hertford, England, and he grew up in London. Now, he was taught to draw by his half-brother, Richard Westall, who achieved some distinction as a wa watercolor painter. Now, Westall was admitted to the Royal Academy School in 1799, the same year as John Constable. Now, in the following year, he was appointed the landscape artist on the HMS Investigator, commanded by uh, Matthew Flinders. Now, during the circumnavigation of Australia, he made many pencil and wash landscapes, as well as a series of coastal profiles in pencil. Some of the sketches were lost um, or damaged when the HMS Porpoise ran aground on a reef in August of 1803. Now, Westall and his drawings were marooned on Wreck Reef for eight weeks. The surviving works were subsequently shipped to England and given to Richard Westall to be restored. Now, he was one of the first professional artists to visit Australia, and his paintings and drawings have enormous documentary value. So, interesting that mm -hmm. last name Westall, and he was the, the first professional artist to do that for Australia. Now, prior to European settlement, the land on which Westall now stands was inhabited by the Wurundjeri people, who are part of the Kulin Nation. So it was a, it, it was land that was inhabited by First Nations people, uh, like our previous episode was. So the Europeans came in and kind of took that land for themselves. Uh, but the European settlement of the area began in the 19th century. Farming and agriculture in the area became some of the most significant industries after they settled it. Now, the major crops that were there that were being cultivated at the time were wheat and barley. Now, in 1856, a railway station named Westall was established in the area. The railway played a crucial role in the development of the local community and provided transportation links to Melbourne and other parts of Victoria. Now, Westall experienced significant residential development following World War II. During the post-war period, there was a housing boom in Melbourne and many new suburbs, including Westall, were developed to accommodate the growing population. Housing estates were established, and the suburb grew with the construction of new homes. Westall is known for its educational institutions, and Westall Primary School was established in 1958 and has been serving the community since then. Westall Secondary College, which is where this happened, uh, is a co-educational government school, and it was established in 1960. So keep 1960 in mind because it wasn't long after the school was established that this sighting happened. Yeah, yeah. 
So Westall Secondary College, like I said, was established in 1960, but I've seen several dates for this, like different dates. And I think there's a problem going from Australian internet information to U.S. internet <laughs> information because the last... I, th- I thought you were going to say, like, the Australian calendar is different. From, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, they, you know Australians and their wacky calendar. That's it's, right. <laughs> they've got... Wait a minute. they got 13 months. I mean, Smarch <laughs> is not a month. I'm sorry. Lousy Smarch yeah. weather. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 13th hour of the 13th day of the 13th month. <laughs> so but like i said i've seen several dates um some said it started in 1964 and opened for class in 1965 which would push it real close to the incident yeah um so we'll, we'll say it was established as a school in 1960 and then somewhere between 1960 and 1965 mm-hmm. it open for class. Yeah. So I'm thinking 1965 is accurate, but. And, and when you, when you hear the accounts, um, especially the way they reacted, it makes a little bit of sense that this was a young institution. Right. Um, with, with new, newer, newer people um, that were, you know, running the show there. And I think when you hear the reactions, you, that's key. You know, this isn't like, you know, this happened at Harvard, you know, right. somewhere that has been around for hundreds of years. You know, it was very young. Um, and and I think that that contributed to, you know, how how everybody reacted. Yeah. And it that building, it was initially just a single building. It's grown a lot since then, but it was initially just a single building. And it was for students in seventh through tenth grade. So, again, yeah, they were they were young. A lot of mm-hmm. them would be young. Mm-hmm. All right, so so let's get into exactly what happened. Now, at approximately eleven a.m. on Wednesday, April sixth, nineteen sixty six, students and a teacher from Westall High School reported seeing a flying object described as a gray or silvery green saucer-shaped craft with a slight purple hue and about twice the size of a family car. Okay? So that that green, silver to purple, that, that sounds like the, that iridescent color shift paint that you see mm-hmm. on some sports cars and, yep. and stuff. And, and it's those colors. It's like silver to green to purple. Okay. Okay. According to the students, the object was descending, overflew the high school, and disappeared behind a stand of trees. About 20 minutes later, the object reportedly reappeared, climbed at speed, and departed towards the northwest. And some accounts describe the object as being pursued by five unidentified aircraft. Okay. Real so, quick, I'm going to jump in and say, remember what Matt just said, that it moved away with speed. Right. It, it sped away. So keep that in yeah. mind. Now, over 300 children and staff 
reportedly witnessed um, this UFO or at the time UFOs because they didn't know uh, about the other planes. Right. Um, essentially silently fly through the sky before landing in a nearby field. And that was critical too, is that you know, the, some of the witnesses will say it made no sound that it, yeah. it was, you would expect it to be, you know, at least hear engine roar, but they didn't hear any of that. This is the largest mass UFO sighting in Australian history, but barely anything was reported on it at the time. Now, over the years, there have been differing reports about the exact details of what happened on April 6th, such as people claiming that there were three saucer-like objects, while some say there was just one. But in the years since the incident occurred, there has been worldwide speculation about what people actually saw, with some believing that it was absolutely an alien encounter and others pointing the finger at the government testing new technology that they didn't want to reveal. Now, throughout all the years, there has been one particularly interesting piece of uh, audio that has really been overlooked. Again, this was that there was hardly any media coverage at all. This would have been a huge story. And this many kids to have seen this and gone home and told their parents and mm -hmm. this word would have spread of this fairly quickly, even in 1966. Yeah, there should have been news agencies that evening on the lawn of this school. That's right. That's right. I mean, they would have been able to tune in on the television, on the radio, and get information about what happened. Look, I mean, if if somebody if if somebody forgets to flush a toilet in any of my kids' schools, yeah, it's like they're calling all the parents, sending out info. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. I'm like, you know that you know a potential UFO sighting that almost the entire school witnessed. Nothing. Yeah. If, you know. if this happened at, at Michael's school, you, like you said, you better believe they would be letting us know. But also, if they didn't, I, I Michael would tell us, but we'd be having words with the school. Why didn't you tell us? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can you imagine all the angry parents? What? What? You, yeah. The, there was a UFO at school today. You mean my you kid could have gotten abducted and you didn't say anything? Yeah. Yeah, Michael said uh, a spoiled milk jug was stepped on at his school the other day, and everybody knew about it. I mean everybody knew. Yeah, knew knew about it. It had gotten out, and you mm -hmm. knew about it before he got home. I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, Doctor James McDonald, who's an American physicist known for researching UFOs, conducted an interview with a science teacher from the Westall School. Andrew Greenwood. Now, Mr. Greenwood witnessed the event when it happened. McDonald recorded himself during their meeting and the details Greenwood gave about his experience. And McDonald says, Greenwood told me the UFO was first brought to his attention by a hysterical child who ran into his classroom 
and told him there's a flying saucer outside. He thought this child had become deranged or something, so he didn't take any notice. But when the child insisted that the object was in the sky, he decided to go out and take a look for himself. Now, when Greenwood went outside, he says he noticed a group of children looking towards the northeast area of the school grounds, and as he approached them, he claims he saw a UFO hovering close to the power lines. Greenwood described it as a round silver object about the size of a car with a metal rod sticking up in the air. According to McDonald, Greenwood then told him that five planes came and surrounded the object as more people began gathering to watch the scene. And uh, McDonald goes on to describe that Greenwood said it was the most amazing flying he had ever seen in his life. I don't know how much flying Andrew Greenwood had seen. That's a good point. But, I mean, you, look, I haven't seen a lot of flying either, but I can be impressed when it looks like, man, that looks really difficult to do, you know? Yeah. When the Blue Angels come across, you, you know that's <laughs> impressive. Yeah. I'm impressed, yeah. you know? I'm not a pilot, you know, but I'm impressed with what they can do. The planes were doing everything possible to approach the object. And he said how they all avoided collision. He said it, 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 it baffled him that they weren't crashing into one another. But he says every time they got too close to the object, it would slowly accelerate. Then it would rapidly accelerate and move away from them and stop. See, they this would, is critical. Uh -huh. I, I'm going to say it again. Keep this in mind. Matt is telling you that as the planes approach it, if it gets too close, it moves away at speed intelligently, mm -hmm. and then it stops and hovers. Right. And I'm, I'm, I keep bringing this up because I've got something to talk about here at the end, and I want you to remember all these details that Matt is telling you. Right. So... He said, uh, once they would reach it again, then it would take off again, you know, and the same thing would happen. He said, this little game of cat and mouse went on for about 20 minutes. Wow. And by this time, Greenwood said about 350 children and staff were watching. So suddenly the UFO shot away and vanished within seconds. And it was at this point that the headmaster came out and ordered everyone to go back to class. Now, over the years, there were reports that the government tried to cover up the incident and stop witnesses from talking. But Greenwood claimed initially that it was the headmaster that first tried to squash the discussion of the incident. He probably got a phone call. Uh, that's exactly what I thought. He gave the school a lecture and told the children they would be severely punished if they talked about this matter and told the staff that they could lose their jobs if they mentioned it at all. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Now, Greenwood claimed the headmaster was so, quote, scared and disturbed by the incident that he refused to come outside until the object was gone. So when he, he's a sissy. And because he's a <laughs> sissy, nobody can talk about it. So, yeah. Let's, might so get let's, a little scared. Let's, let's talk about that for just a minute. Um, 
So 20 minutes they witnessed this going on. And and maybe a little bit longer because we don't really know a time frame of how long it was going on before the child got to Mr. Greenwood and Greenwood decided that he needed to go investigate. Right. right. So I would say somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes, this has been going on. In that amount of time, that was, at least in my opinion, enough for those planes to reach this object and for the headmaster to get a phone call. Mm -hmm. And as things transpired, this headmaster who wasn't out there watching because he was on the phone with a government official telling him, you need to get everybody back inside and you need to tell them not, not to talk about this at all. Yep. Um, now, do I know that for sure? No, I don't. That's no. speculation entirely on my part. But the way Greenwood is talking about how this played out, it seems very plausible. Yep. Said when the Royal Australian Air Force contacted the headmaster, he told them to, quote, go jump in a lake. Hmm. Hmm. That, that, that sounds a little odd to me. Don't, doesn't it to you? Yep. Um, it, it, that sounds like an answer that he gave. Um, yeah, I told him to go jump in a lake. Yeah, right. Okay. Look, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't care what's going on. If the Air Force contacts me for something, I'm probably not going to tell them to go jump in a lake. No, I, I think you, you should probably choose your words a little wiser. Mm-hmm. But... Now, if you're talking to your buddy after the government talks to you, you're like, oh, man, I told them to stick it in their pants. I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> have any of their mess. Right. Yeah. The bravado comes out at that point. Yeah. So they say within about 40 minutes, Air Force and Army personnel in their trucks poured into the area and formed a security barrier around the reserve. But knowing the area well. Mr. Greenwood and others were able to sneak in and see what was going on. And Greenwood says, we saw a circular area like trampled grass and there were guards around it and there were people in there with equipment. Now, there have been claims from several witnesses that sharply dressed men in black suits visited them and warned them from speaking about the incident. And that lines up with a few experiences that Mr. Greenwood had when he tried to speak with other witnesses about what they had seen. So Mr. Greenwood spoke to local news reporters about the incident, but became frightened about speaking out when two weeks after the incident, two men claiming to be government officials knocked on the door of his home, one in plain clothes and the other one Senior Air Force, Mr. Greenwood said. Mm. The man told the teacher he was mistaken about what he saw and had he really even seen anything. <laughs> hey, and so Greenwood responds. He, he says, in this interview, absolutely, I was threatened. I was told that I should not say anything about it. And when he tried to explain to them that they weren't there, I was. I know what I saw. The first suggestion was that, quote, 
you'd be ill-advised to go on saying that because clearly you were drunk on duty and will have to be reported to the education department. And of course you will lose your job. Mm, mm, So if, if that's not a threat, I don't know what is. Yeah. That, that's straight up. a. if you say anything, we're going to make sure that you get fired. We'll lie and Mm -hmm. make sure you get fired. Yeah. Drunk. Yeah. Oh, he must have been drunk. Yeah, he was drunk around the kids. We we knew he was. We'd smelled it on his breath, and they'll pay somebody or threaten somebody to say they witnessed it as well. Right, right. So McDonald says in the from the interview that at the time of seeing the UFO, Greenwood was a skeptic, and he had never really considered the plausibility of UFOs existing. But when he asked the teacher to describe, um, when when they asked the when Greenwood asked the physical education teacher to describe what she had seen herself, so that he could compare it with his own observation, he said she wouldn't say anything. Mm. Greenwood also reportedly spoke to one of the older students who described the event in great detail, exactly as he had seen it. But when he spoke to her again about half an hour later, she wouldn't say a word. That's just that that's clear that people are getting to him and yeah. telling them to they're intimidated. They're intimidated. Now, I will say this. It's probably in 1966, it probably wasn't that difficult for someone in a position of authority to Threaten and subdue a bunch of kids. Sure. No matter what age. You know, if we're talking about seventh through 10th grade, yeah, what are we, what are we talking about? Like 12 to what, maybe 15, 16? Okay. Mm-hmm. Kids, you know, and you've got the headmaster of your school talking about you'll be severely punished. You may even had some of these government officials coming and talking to these kids going, you don't need to say anything about this. Yep. And and I'm sure they were scared. Oh, yeah. But Field Tyranny, who was 15 at the time of the sighting, backs up what Greenwood describes and says she remembers seeing three silver disc, dish-like shaped objects with a dome at the top in the sky. She claims none of them made a sound. We weren't allowed to talk to the media, Miss Tyranny said. They told us all to go to the quadrangle. The headmaster was adamant that we had seen nothing. So it's not, it, now it's gone from don't talk about it to you didn't see anything. You didn't see what you think you saw. That was something else or it was nothing. Yeah. You know, you forget that this ever happened and move on. Yep. I mean uh, that if that's strong arming right there. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, we're just we're gonna we're gonna threaten. We're gonna tell these, but not only are we gonna tell them, hey, we need to keep this quiet. They're gonna tell them you didn't really see that at all. Yep, yep. you're gaslighting them. Which is a kid, you know, isn't that one of the worst things you can do? Is is have an adult not believe you or tell you straight out, no, that's not what you saw or that's not how it happened. Oh yeah. I mean, that's oh, one yeah. of the most frustrating things as a kid that I remember is having an adult that just wouldn't listen. Mm-hmm. But if that adult 
has been contacted by officials that says you're going to lose your job at this school. You know, you'll never be able to teach again. You'll probably have to leave Australia if you ever want to find an education job. Um, don't talk about this and tell your students not to talk about it. Right. Then, you know, he's, he, he's going to put some, you know, gravitas behind his words and really try to instill some fear in these students. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Greenwood didn't think that it had anything to do with the headmaster's threats. As he says, nobody really took him all that seriously. Um, and he knew for a fact that the student that he spoke with didn't go to the meeting where he made the threat. So that one student that talked about it in detail and then wouldn't say anything about it 30 minutes later, um, obviously somebody else had gotten to her. Right. So somebody else had told her, don't talk about it. Don't say a word. If you talk about it, you're going to be in trouble. Right. Now, Shane Ryan has investigated the Westall incident for more than 15 years. And Ryan says another piece of information has come through that somebody who lived locally to Westall at the time said he knows personally one of the seven pilots who was up in the air from Moorabbin Airport and were witnesses to what happened that day. And that's it. There is there is no further information from Shane Ryan about what this potential pilot had to say, um, what he was doing, what his instructions were. Um, but, you know, he, this person obviously claimed that they were one of the pilots that was flying around this thing. But, he, you know, this this came out, I think, in 2021, you know, so just not even two years ago. So there's a really good chance that it, it hasn't been published yet. But as I said at the beginning of the show, there was some difficulty finding information on this at all, other than just, you know, even the Wikipedia page is remarkably bare um, mm-hmm. for a UFO incident like this. Um, so there there's a really good chance that, that this article did come out and I couldn't obtain access to it. But, you know, I tried because I thought, okay, here we go. I'm going to find out what this pilot said. It's there's nothing there. Yeah. I couldn't find it either. I was curious myself and I, I looked and I didn't see it. So, I mean, what, what could this have been? I mean, outside of the realm that it is a, a, a true UFO, from wherever what else could it possibly have been um that these people would have mistaken for a ufo what would have prompted a response from the government like that huh i know what adam's gonna say (laughs) so let's look at some of the theories adam (laughs) people have told us i got some i got some pretty dumb ones um that i want your thoughts on map so the one of the main reasons that i was telling you to pay attention to some parts of what matt was saying was for this first theory that is put forth um it's from an article um from the herald sun out of melbourne Mm -hmm. so this says quote 
Westall UFO incident was actually government radiation testing reports reveal. Radiation testing? Radiation testing. Okay. It says, although federal and state government agencies refused to comment about the 1966 Westall incident at the time, it is now believed that rather than a UFO, what landed was an errant, an errant high-altitude balloon used to monitor radiation levels after the controversial Maralinga nuclear tests. The Hibble program was a joint U.S.-Australian initiative to monitor atmospheric radiation levels using large silver balloons equipped with sensors between 1960 and 1969. Documents held by the National Archives and former Department of Supply indicate one test balloon launched from Mildura may have been blown off course and came down in Clayton South in a paddock near Westall High School alarming and baffling hundreds of eyewitnesses, including teachers and students. It says, after hovering over the area, it landed at an area known as the Grange behind a grove of pine trees before taking off again and being pursued by several light aircraft in a sighting which lasted 20 minutes from 11 a.m. on April 6, 1966. So, I, I just, Matt, <laughs> okay. Now, uh-huh. when have we heard before that it was just a balloon, a weather balloon, a high at altitude balloon? Yeah. Well, many times, al- almost every time. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a a go to excuse, and they must have learned from. The uh, um, Roswell crash that the balloon theory will work. Mm -hmm. But what they're saying is that the, the, the weather balloon was to test this radiation and it landed and then took off again and landed again, and it was followed by light aircraft. The problem is the witnesses say that there was intelligent control of the craft, that it did not let the planes get too close to it. They didn't call them light aircraft. They were uh, Air Force said, Yeah, it says planes. Everything I saw said planes. Right. Um, so it wasn't like hang gliders or whatever, you know, or, or by wings or <laughs> they're, some. They're out there with like a a, a parachute and a big fan strapped on mm-hmm, their back, flying mm-hmm. around. <laughs> Those little uh, bicycles that they before they invented the airplane, where they would run and it rotate like the propellers <laughs> above them. They're out there chasing it down in one of those. <laughs> uh, maybe they work. Maybe those things worked in Australia. I don't know. But. <laughs> Hell, I got choked when you said that. <laughs> um, but the way this article puts it is that it was just a balloon that landed near them, and they mistook this balloon for a UFO. And there are pictures of a similar to what they're talking about balloon that they're showing. And I mean, the, the Hibble thing, yeah, that was a deal. They were testing 
They, mm-hmm. I mean, but it makes for a good excuse to brush this off. Right. Right. I mean, you know, and and sure, I, I'm sure a lot of UFO reports could directly be related to weather balloons. Sure. If you just see it off in the distance, yeah. Right. I mean, you don't know what it is. It's moving kind of weird. Um, but, you know, they're not all weather balloons. And weather balloons don't typically move with any kind of control other than the wind. Right. I was going to say, they follow the direction of the wind. They won't go against the wind. Right. They don't, I mean, they don't turn. They just go straight with the wind. And yes, I can see it touching down and coming back up. That's possible. We've seen, I mean, hot air balloons can do it. I've seen helium balloons do it. They float down to the bottom, you know, hit the ground, and then they kind of float back up a little bit. But they don't usually take off at an accelerated rate. Right. And yeah. dodge airplanes. Yeah. To move away from something that's observing them. Mm-hmm. And then as they catch up to it, it moves away again. Right. So and that's the thing. It was it would stop after it got a certain distance away. It would stop and basically wait on them to get close to it. Yeah. It wasn't a steady pace of a balloon. It's just, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense based on the, the mobility of what the witnesses saw that it could have been a weather balloon. I mean, the, the look of it, everything that, yeah, it, it, it probably did look similar to the, to the Hibble balloon, but they didn't move like that. Right. So it, it just that that seems to rule it out right there. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to in Patreon try to post uh, a picture of that Hibble high altitude balloon and the picture that is going around that is supposedly the circular impression that was made by the craft when it landed because there was a drawing that showed a large circular area with three points in the center of it in kind of a triangle pattern where it touched down. But then there's also a photograph of a circular depression in tall grass that is claimed to be from the Westall uh, um, UFO sighting where it landed. And I'll post both of those in Patreon. And you tell me if you think that balloon could create a circular depression like what is in the ground, but then also take off again. Mm-hmm. Because if this balloon landed and created the circular depression, the balloon would have deflated and laid on the ground. It would not have been able to get back up and fly off again. Right. Yeah, exactly. And um, when you see those pictures of the depression and that kind of stuff, it makes you think, yeah, something something touched down mm-hmm. and was there long enough to create a depression and then took off again. And something heavy. Yeah. Yeah, something heavy. All right. So the next next one I've got, it kind of um it, it ties in to that, that first thing. It says the the theory is misidentification. Mm-hmm. And that this one theory suggests that the witnesses may have misidentified conventional objects or phenomena such as weather balloons, aircraft, or natural atmospheric phenomena. According to this theory, the witness's perception and interpretation of the events 
could have been influenced by various factors leading to a mistaken belief in the presence of a UFO. I don't think, and, and I see this a lot. I'm sure you do too, Matt, that during UFO encounters, one of the major debunking arguments and what I've got is basically the same debunking arguments that we see in every UFO incident, but it's atmospheric phenomena. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, there are some crazy atmospheric phenomena that happens. Some of it that you wouldn't think would happen, like the sprites that happen from lightning. They flicker up you know, above the clouds in the atmosphere. The ground to cloud lightning, uh, uh, ball lightning, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. It's all weird atmospheric phenomena. However, I don't think you can say atmospheric phenomena would make 300 plus witnesses describe the same type of craft doing the same thing. Mm, Right. Because, yeah, okay, atmospheric phenomena. I don't even know what atmospheric phenomena would resemble a UFO shaped like that. And if it was atmospheric phenomena, why would there be jets following it? Yeah, right. What were they following? Mm -hmm. You know, are they, are they storm chasers or something? Yeah, exactly. I I think if, if it was something like this and it was an atmospheric phenomena and it would, it would be dangerous to some degree. Yeah. You certainly wouldn't have planes um, chasing after it and it moving away from them. Right. And then having all these, it's right there by a school. You know, you're not, somebody's not contacting school going, get the kids inside. It's a, you know, there's something dangerous outside. Yeah. Ball lightning. They could die. Get them inside. Yeah. None of that was happening. Right. At least there were no reports of that happening. Right. All right, so this next one is, it's it's my hands-down favorite, and by favorite, I mean least favorite. <laughs> the the one that- By favorite, irrit- I mean I hate it. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> hey, and you'll know it when I say it, because I have expressed my opinions on this before, but mass hysteria or hoax. Oh, yeah. Says another theory- Uh, purports that the incident was a result of mass hysteria or a deliberate hoax. It suggests that the witnesses may have been influenced by each other's beliefs or that a small group orchestrated the event to gain attention or create a sensation. Skeptics argue that the lack of concrete physical evidence and uh, limited official investigation supports this theory. Now, you know how I feel about mass hysteria. In order... For something to be hysteria, for your brain to play a trick on you, like uh, you get so scared, you know, let's say you're being robbed Mm -hmm. and you've got a gun pointed at your face, you are going to be hysterical and that gun is going to seem like it's 45 feet long. Yeah. It's the biggest thing that you've ever seen. This is a monster of a person. They're ginormous, they're mean, they're angry. They probably got smoke billowing out of their beard like Blackbeard the Pirate. 
something. Okay, what that is, is your brain coping with something and your internal thoughts, feelings, memories, and everything playing into and creating a narrative. Yeah, right. In order for 300 plus people to have the same mass hysteria event, their memories, their feelings, their imagination, everything would have to be the same. And that's mine and yours are not right. Mine and Ashley's are not, you know, you and your sons are not, but the mass hysteria theory makes that necessary for it to be true. And I, I that can't happen. That I'm, I'm sorry, but you can't have a group of 300 people imagine the exact same thing because you get a lot of eyewitnesses in a crime that will describe different things, though they were both witness to the same vehicle driving away. Some of them will say it was blue. Some of them say it's red. Mm -hmm. So I hate the mass hysteria argument. And that one needs to be scrubbed from the books of <laughs> yeah, just take it debunkers. Out. Think of something else. Mass hysteria is not a valid argument. I'm sorry. It's not. So find another low-hanging fruit if you're going to try to debunk something. Don't go with mass hysteria. And the hoax thing, if it were a hoax, why are there planes chasing a hoax? Yeah, exactly. And even if it was a good enough hoax that it would have prompted this kind of response, how how did they make it move away? Who's yeah. who's got the balls to you know to go up? Oh, Air Force is here. Uh, we're we're done. We're done. Gig is up. Whatever. No, to keep toying with it and then be able to get it away. Okay, well, who had a drone in nineteen sixty six? True. Absolutely. I mean, where was the technology for somebody that would be willing to to do some kind of hoax like this? Where where did they get this from? Mm -hmm. You know, what 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 kind of support? I'll tell you this, it wasn't one person. If it was, right. it was a group of people. And what do we know about a group of people in something like this? Somebody will talk. In in the fifty some odd years since this happened, somebody was gonna talk. Sure, if somebody it was a hoax, at least said they did it for the recognition. They'd say, "Yeah, I was part of that hoax. Mm -hmm. look, look what we did. We got the government to chase us." You know, so I mean, you know, nobody wants to go to jail. No, nope. you know, so yeah, they were all scared, but somebody. Somebody, if they were involved in, in a group of people that were perpetrating a hoax, I think in this amount of time, somebody would have finally come forward or somebody on their deathbed would have said, hey, we, we were responsible for the West Hall UFO mm -hmm. thing. And then, yep. you know, pass on. Yep. Well, it's like that saying, the only way for two people to keep a secret is for one of them to be dead. Right. So you can't have two, three, four, five 
people, however many it would have taken to pull this off, never say anything since 1966. So I don't, I, I mean, could it have been a hoax? Eh, maybe, maybe. Could maybe. have been, but to but what end? I seriously doubt it. Yeah, I seriously doubt it because you're at this small school outside Melbourne. It's not like you're doing it in downtown Melbourne. Mm-hmm. You know, if you did that, okay, maybe there'd be a little more notoriety. And I would say maybe it was a hoax. Somebody was screwing with the, the people of the town. But you're in Westall. What's out there? You know, it's not a. Yeah. Not a huge hub. So, and then the mass hysteria thing, uh-uh. Just, I'm, I'm not even going to entertain that anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, it, to think of this as a hoax, you would expect that somebody would have been able to uncover it, like those meddling teenagers and their lousy dog. I yep. mean, does that not sound like something like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's oh, a yeah. Scooby-Doo episode, for crying out loud. Somebody yeah. has got some nefarious plan and they perpetrate this hoax in order to draw attention away from whatever it was they were doing. But the problem was, is there's, there's no evidence that anything happened while this was going on and everybody's attention was looking up. It wasn't like the school got robbed or taken over or anything else. Right. Right. So it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense that this much time has passed. And like I said, either somebody has decided to come clean or there was some evidence that somebody was benefiting, you know, financially right. or somehow to doing this. And yeah, we hadn't seen that. Right. All right. So I've got two more. Each is ridiculous as the last, but the first of the last two. Some theories explore the possibility of psychological factors playing a role in the Westall UFO. They suggest that witnesses may have experienced hallucinations, illusions, or altered states of consciousness leading to leading them to perceive something extraordinary that wasn't objectively present. It, what did you pump in hallucinogens into the school? Like Somebody's out there smoking mushrooms into the vent of the school. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I wish we had the menu uh, for yeah. lunch that day. Um, today, DMT pizza is what it was. Sal- Salisbury steak with mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. Everybody's hallucinating. And all special the same brownies thing. for dessert. You get the. Maybe get it was Iowa special brownies. Maybe. Doesn't, maybe doesn't everybody trip the same way on ayahuasca you know that's kind yeah, of the they, story but, but they puke their guts out prior to and i right, don't remember yeah. any any saying of, <laughs> but yeah they ayahuasca actually we want to do an episode on the machine elves from ayahuasca mm. <laughs> so if this was ayahuasca they would have all seen machine elves they wouldn't have seen a ufo being chased by five yeah. airplanes and and they would have all puked yeah yeah but what would cause 300 plus people, students and adults, the kids, adults ranging in age to all hallucinate or have an altered state of consciousness for 20 to 30 minutes to experience a UFO incident? I, I, I don't even have a theory as to what could have done that. Mm-mm. And okay, they're scared which can alter your state of consciousness 
like I just said about the being robbed thing, but 300 people. Exactly. I mean, yeah. The psychological factor argument doesn't work for me. So the last one I got is another explanation posits that witnesses memories of the event may have become distorted over time. Memory can be subject to errors. This says inaccuracies and external influences which could have shaped the way witnesses recall and interpret the incident. Okay. Except that what some said they saw initially is what they still say they saw. Correct. Nothing's changed. And according to Andrew Greenwood, um, the other people that he has spoken to that have relayed their story relay the exact same story. Exactly. And, and and there are other students now that have come forward. You know, they're all, you know, older adults now. Yep. Uh, you know, they were, they were 10 years old or, or 13, 14 years old back in 1966. They're all adults, probably have grandchildren. And, and they're coming forward and saying, yeah, this, this, it's, this is real. This really happened. Mm-hmm. And we were... That's the other key is they all say we were told not to talk about it. Right. We were right. threatened not to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And some will say, well, see, that proves that it was the radiation testing because they wanted to keep that a secret. No. Why would you allow it to be a UFO sighting if it was actually balloon uh, 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 radiation testing? And why but, why the hell would you do radiation testing that close to a school? Right. I mean, yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. They said it blew off track, but how can something blow that far off track when you're going from the uh, testing the Marlinga um, atom bomb thing to now you're in Westall? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But that that's all the debunking theories I've got and all the crap I can talk about them. So Matt, what, what do you think happened? What, what do you think that this was? I, I honestly think that this was an, an unknown craft. Um, whether it was alien or it was another country, we, we don't know. I'm not saying a hundred percent that it was an alien craft. Um, but I, it was definitely foreign of some ilk and mm-hmm. the air force wanted to check it out and they right. needed to check it out as soon as possible. So and it didn't want them to check it out. Right. It, it wanted to kind of play games with them and back away from them and, and keep them at a distance. Um, but what I, I know a lot of people will, will look at not just you and I, but other, other people, um, that, that talk about UAPs and UFOs and all this. And you go, well, you debunk all these theories because you want it to be a UFO. And in reality, sure. I, I do. I'll be honest. I want it to be real. I mean, I, I think that would be so cool, but I want it to be real enough that I will absolutely entertain any plausible explanation to show that it's something else 
because I don't want to believe in something that is a hoax or an experimental aircraft or whatever. Weather balloons. I don't care. I, I don't want to say, look, we have no idea what this is and it, and it legitimately be something else. So the reason we debunk these theories is because they're garbage. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are garbage. Come, come to me with a solid theory as to what this was and explain to me how it moved. Why did you ask all these students to not talk about it? Why did you threaten right. teachers with their jobs? Um, if it wasn't something else, if it mm-hmm. was a weather balloon, who cares? Who right. cares? I mean, nobody's going to care. You certainly right. aren't going to go to a headmaster of a school and go, listen, you could lose your job if you talk about this. It's a weather balloon. Why not just tell yeah. him, hey, hey, I bet you got students out there looking at this weather balloon. Um, it's it's blown off course. We, we, we've dispatched pilots to try to make sure that it doesn't land in a residential area. We're watching mm-hmm. it. Keep your kids inside. We don't want anything falling off of this thing. And the headmaster's like, oh, thank you so much for the call. Hey, everybody, let's get these students in. You don't threaten them. Right, right. You know, you don't threaten somebody. You you tell them, hey, this is what this is. And and for our safety, we need to be inside. And then you allow them to talk about it and say, this is what happened. Because if you then keep it a secret, then the theories start. That's right. The wild the wild theories start when you try to silence something. So, I mean, like I said, yeah, I want it to be something, uh, you know, unusual, unexplained. I do. But even more than that, I want an explanation as to what it really was. And then I'll be like, hey, that sounds good to me. I mean, Lord knows on this show enough, we have gone and said, yeah, this don't sound real. You know, Mm -hmm. this sounds made up. This sounds like a hoax. This sounds like somebody attention seeking. This doesn't really sound like any of that. No. And I I was going to say the same thing. I'm like, if if you have a valid uh, theory that debunks it being a UFO, I'm more than happy to have that because I would rather have an explanation than not have an explanation for this. But you can't just throw word salad out there and expect that to be okay with us. You know, if, if you start saying mass hysteria or that all of these kids were tripping and having hallucinations on something where I'm not going to just gobble that up because you said it and I don't want to believe in UFOs. So I'm going to say that's the thing. And I think that's the big deal is the argument that you and I and people like us would debunk the debunking Mm -hmm. is because we want to believe, but we can say that about the other thing too. You're throwing these invalid wild ass theories out here because you don't want there to be UFOs. Yeah. You absolutely do not want there to be anything unexplained. So you will try to explain it with craziness Mm -hmm. rather than have a mystery 
And, and I'm okay with a mystery. I, I think, you know, you, you can take that a step further. If you're a military and you're charged with protecting your country, what you don't want is for your countrymen to believe that you're inept at being able to do this and that something just flew over a school that mm-hmm. could have could have had explosives, could have been loaded down with weapons. You know, you, you want everybody to feel like, hey, our military can protect us. I mean, we had something similar to this earlier this year in the U.S., and we've done a show mm-hmm. about all of these balloons, these spy balloons that were shot down over a, the period of about a week. Um, you know, the, the the U.S. military wanted to show, hey, we're we're handling this. We're on top of yeah. it. We're watching it. You know, we're making sure it's not dangerous. We're going to take it down. Okay. But we're also going to give you a, a, a bunch of crap about what it really is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, leave the crap part out of it. You know, yeah. just tell yeah. me what you think it was. Even if you don't really know, just give me, give me your best guess. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just, if you just flat out don't know, then just say, we don't know. We don't really yeah. know what this is, where it came from. Nobody's owning up to it. Um, that's why we were flying planes at it. We right. don't know what it is either. That's right. Um, you know, I, I, I hate that, that governments don't give their people enough credit. Um, that, you know, you, you, you can't reason with population, but you know, to be honest, if we look at the last 20 years, especially in the United States, you know, re- reason went out the window a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, you know, I, I really think at the time in 1966, um, for the Australian military to respond to this the way they did, and yet nobody was supposed to talk about it or discuss it, it just, it's too much of a mystery. And now with people coming forward, alien, not alien, whatever. Something happened that day. Um, people witnessed this. People were threatened. And it's only now, years later, that information is beginning to trickle out. And and trickle is the, the optimum word here. I mean, yeah. it is, you are not getting a deluge of info. I mean, it is... You know, it, it is it is dribbling off the chin. <laughs> that is that is it. Yeah. But you know, we we always do this. We always say, "Tell us what you think." But I'm going to take it a step further. I know we have a lot of listeners in Australia. Um, you guys have access to news outlets and information that Adam and I do not. If you know something about this, if you have seen something about it. Um, if, if you have anything else, um, let us know. And of course, if it's something you, even though our Facebook group is private, if it's something you don't feel comfortable sharing, even in a semi-public forum, you know, shoot, shoot, uh, graveyard tales, a message. Um, yep. you know, we, we will keep it private. If you tell us, Hey, don't mention this on, on the show or on the air or anything, we will absolutely abide by that. 
Um, but I would you have love- no idea how how good Matt and I are at keeping secrets. So. <laughs> That's you right. Like that secret, time you and that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you didn't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> but do re- reach out to us and let us know. Uh, hopefully we get some more information. We can do a follow up down the line to see what the latest um what the latest theories or ideas are, if any new witnesses have come forward uh, to share what they saw. Hey, and I mean, good or bad, if, you, if you've if you got an explanation that says this is exactly what it was and here's the evidence, great. I'd love to yeah. see it because we couldn't find it. Um, no. But as I said, I mentioned our Facebook group. Um, it, it is a private group, and it is there for people to share those kind of stories and not worry about being ridiculed or called a nut job or anything like that. We just love to hear these kind of stories, and personal experiences are the absolute best. Um, and when you're done with that, you can go check out our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com, and there you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tells Merchandise, you can listen to the show and you can become a patron. And as Adam mentioned earlier, uh, we're, we're recording bonus episodes tonight. After we do this show, we've got some really cool ones. We've got some amazing ones in our catalog. Um, you know, you, you got that summer road trip that you're going to take this year. Hey, listening to some extra graveyard tales along the way that you hadn't heard before. Hey, it's a great way to pass those, uh, those long car rides. So, and Patreon allows you to add an RSS link into your podcatcher, so you can listen to all of our bonus episodes same yeah, way same that you way. would a regular main episode. It's like it's like some kind of magic voodoo. Just it's crazy. all of a sudden you've got extra graveyard tales. It's crazy. <laughs> man. I don't know how they do it. It's magic. I know. I know. Um. Man, this I, I tell you what, I had I had only heard mention of this maybe a time or two. Um mm-hmm. but this this was this was extraordinarily interesting. I hope we get some more information from our Australian listeners. But until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. Today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.